0: And If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Song of Solomon. The Old Testament book of the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is found right after Psalms and Proverbs and it is dealing with the poetical books. The poetical books is a section of the Bible that deals with the heart issues of man. and In it it shows some wonderful truths. And in the Song of Solomon we could see this wonderful story, and we're going to tell it more of a story today, relating to a wonderful truth and encouragement that we could have of a little Shunammite girl. And we start in our Bibles in the book of Song of Solomon in chapter number 1. The book of Song of Solomon and chapter number 1. The Song of Solomon, chapter number 1, starting at verse number 1, we find the Bible says this, The song of songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For thy love is better than wine. Because of the Savior of the good ointments, thy name is as the ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me and we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine and the upright love thee. And if you're the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 1. Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 1. Notice the phrase, the song of songs. The song of songs. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to survey and open up this book of the Song of Solomon and tell the story that is contained here that we can learn more about this song of songs. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I'm asking again that you would help us to fall in love with you as we open up this wonderful story. I'm asking that you would give me the ability to tell the story, to relay the story, to help us to understand this wonderful book, to see what is going on. Help me to be truthful. Help me to be forthright. Help me to be clear. And again, I realize that I have my own shortcomings. So once again, I surrender myself to you. I give you my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, and I'm asking that you would teach us this wonderful story through your precious word, that you would get it across with your Holy Spirit. Just use me as your instrument and help us again for the purpose of falling in love with you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the little village of Shunem... We find this story taking place. Shunem is a little village about 50 miles to the northwest of Jerusalem. And in this poor little village, it's a little backwater village, you have a people who just work hard at surviving. They're working, running their crops, keeping the flocks, trying to do what they can hopefully to have enough money to take to market so they could survive a little bit longer. And as, as hard as things were for the people in this village, there happened to be a family in this village that had it a little bit harder than everyone else. You had a little woman, widow woman who lived inside of this village who tried to take care of her family and the responsibility was put upon her shoulders. To make things worse is that she had two sons who did not want to work, did not want to carry their load, and so the workload was even put more upon the mother. And the workload also fell upon a little teenage girl. Now this teenage girl did what she could to work in the fields, to care for the flocks, to do what she could. And the story is centered upon this little Shunammite girl. And may we, for the purpose of illustration here call her our little Cinderella girl that she's out in the field she's working she's doing everything she can and it's the work is starting to take a toll on her notice if you don't mind in the book of Song of Solomon chapter 1 pick it up in verse number 5 the Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 5 the Bible says I am black but comely O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon, look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me, and they made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Here it's talking about this little teenage Shuamite girl who has been out working in the sun and having so much of a uh, out in the sun that she's become very tan and dark. Now, this is important because in the ancient world that the fairer that you were, the more beautiful that you were perceived. And it's opposite of today. Today, people think that if they have a beautiful suntan, if they have the dark skin, that's the age of beauty. But all... And to this time, even into recent ages, the fairer you were, the more beautiful you were considered. And so she's saying, please, even though I'm working on the sun and and I've gotten dark because of the sun, I'm still beautiful. I'm still worthy. But we can see here's a little girl who's doing the best she can and helping her mother out and working. Now, one day she's working out in the fields and she happens to see a handsome young man, a little shepherd boy. Now we could tell that God had given the man the responsibility of writing this because if it was contained about how the little Shunammite girl had had um, met this shepherd boy and it was telling from her perspective the uh, books could not contain the whole of it but when you speak to a man and say how did you meet your bride you get like a little 30 second tidbit of how it met and this it wasn't a lot was not said about how these two had met together all it does say is that they had met one day and they had developed a friendship and in fact they had developed a little bit of a of a love and soon this Shepherd, young shepherd boy, had gained the heart. Of this little Shunammite girl, this little Cinderella girl. And that Cinderella girl began to have a heart for this little shepherd boy. Notice, as we see in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter number two. Song of Solomon, chapter two, notice with me in verse number 10. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, and the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, and the time of the singing and the birds is come, and the voice of the The turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree hath putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grape have given a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Surely enough springtime had come to the village of Shudom, and springtime was coming into the life of these young people. The the Bible tells us they could smell the smells of spring. They could sm- see that spring has come up. The winter snow has gone away. It's passed. The rains have come. The earth has turned green. The birds are singing. The turtles have now come out. The plants are starting to give their fruit. It is springtime in the land of Shunem. And surely springtime in the hearts of these two lovebirds. But yet there was something mysterious with this young shepherd boy. The shepherd boy, <laughs> there wasn't much known about him. Notice with me in verse uh, Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 7. Tell me, O thou who my soul loveth, where thou feedest, and where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon? For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of the companions? That this little shepherd boy and this little Shunammite girl, that every time they got together and the Shunammite girl would start to ask questions of, Who are you? And where are you from? Where's your family at? To start to ask questions. He would always find some way to avoid the question and set it aside. But that was to no matter. There was a great love between them. Until one day the shepherd boy came and saw the little Shunammite girl and said, Listen, I have to go away for a while. But I make you a promise that I will return. And I make you a promise that when I return... When I return, it's going to be our wedding day. I give you my word. This is what's going to happen. I'm going now. I have to go. I have to go prepare something. There's a work that I must do. But I am coming again for you. And when I come again, I'm taking you with me. And when we go back, it's going to be our wedding day. And so now a broken hearted young lady watches as the shepherd boy, as he takes his flock and he's ready to leave Shunem. And yet... He's going to prepare a place with the promise that one day he is coming back for her. And he, she believed that promise. And every day she would go to bed with the idea that tomorrow maybe is the day that my shepherd boy comes back for me. Tomorrow, maybe tomorrow he's coming back. And she would wake up in the morning with the thought that maybe today is the day. Maybe the, today is the day that the shepherd boy, my love, he comes back for me. And so she spent every day looking for a shepherd boy. Every night she would think about her shepherd boy and that maybe he's coming back. And it got to the place where it started to even affect her sleep. She began to even dream about the shepherd boy coming back. Thinking about the things that would happen. That one day this shepherd boy he's coming back for me. And soon her sleep was affected And she began to even have nightmares about this. Notice with me in the book of Song of Solomon in chapter number 3. The book of Song of Solomon in chapter number 3. Notice with me in verse number 1. By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets and in the broadways, and I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me. To whom I said, "Saw ye him whom my soul loveth?" We see another nightmare occurs in the Song of Solomon in chapter number five. The Song of Solomon, chapter number five. Notice with me in verse number two. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. And I have put on my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand up by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open my beloved, and my hands dropped. Uh, dropped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet swelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul faileth when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me, and they smote me, and they wounded me, and the keepers of the wall took my veil away from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, if you tell him, that I am sick of love. So what we find here is this Shunammite girl that she believed in the promise that her shepherd boy had given to her. That he's going to go prepare a place for her. And that one day he's coming back and that when he comes back it's going to be her wedding day. And so this Shunammite girl just spent day after day. Maybe today's the day he's coming back for me. Maybe today's the day she would lay down at night and say maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And she started to get to the place where she was starting to be plagued by nightmares. The nightmare would go something like this that in her dream she would be sleeping and she would hear her beloved knock on the door and he's knocking to the door and say I'm here for you I'm here for you but in her dream she kind of halfway wakes up and says I'm not ready to go oh I'm not ready yet and and right when she realizes in her dream that it's her beloved she would get up and grab her coat and run to the door but her beloved had already left without her And so in her dreams, she would go and look in the city and start calling for a beloved. I'm here, please. I was waiting for you. Don't go. And she would look and in her dreams, the guards would come and see her in the middle of the night and say, what are you doing in the middle of the night? She goes, I was here for my beloved. Did you see him? Did he go past? And the guards would push her aside and mock her and make fun of her and say that it was too late for her. And then she would wake up from those dreams and the nightmare upon her. And the nightmare came because she was looking for her beloved. She was, every day she would wake up in the morning. Maybe today's the day he comes for me. Maybe today's the day that he comes back. And he promised he would. And every night she would say, well, maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it was tomorrow. But her hope and her dream, every day she would be looking for her shepherd boy to come back. Well, she would think about her shepherd boy all the time, just waiting for him. Anyone that would listen, all she could do was describe her shepherd boy maybe while she's around the house one day she's got a broom in her hand and she's not doing a lot of sweeping doing a lot more daydreaming and maybe mama's at this kitchen sink washing dishes and the little girl says have I ever told you have ever described you my shepherd boy and you could watch mama's eyes just roll up to the heavens and say yes honey you have for a thousand times yes you've described your shepherd boy to me and the little girl said well then for the thousand and first time let me tell you more about my shepherd boy and she would go on and describe about her shepherd boy, her love that she was looking forward to coming back. It describes him in the book of Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse number 9. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart, but behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. In verse number 9 in chapter 2, it says he's swift and he's strong. He's like a gazelle. He's so graceful of everything he does. Mama, let me tell you, all about my shepherd boy is that, oh, he is just so graceful. He goes, she goes on and describes him some more in the book of Song of Solomon in chapter number 5. The Song of Solomon in chapter number 5, notice with me in verse number 10. My beloved is white and ruddy. This phrase white and ruddy is equivalent to our nowadays saying that he was tall, dark, and handsome. Mama, let me tell you about him. He's white and ruddy. He is so handsome. How handsome is he? Verse 10, my beloved is white and ruddy. The chiefest among 10,000. She goes, Mama, let me tell you about my shepherd boy. He's swifted as a gazelle. He is tall, dark, and handsome. Let me tell you that you can line up the 10,000 of the fairest young man and my shepherd boy. He would be number one among all of them. He is just so good looking, so handsome. He is the greatest. He's the one that I have, my shepherd boy. His head and shoulders above the rest. Notice with me in verse number 11. His head is like the most fine gold. Let me tell you, mama, just looking at his face, he is just so fine. It's just like gold. Just looking at my shepherd boy. Oh, I love him so much. He is just so handsome. His head is like the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and is black as raven. Let me tell you about my shepherd boy. His hair is just black as a raven. He is just so good looking, so fine to look at. Verse number 12 his eyes are like the eyes of doves by the rivers of water washed with milk and fitly set. Let me tell you, I look into his eyes and they're like dove's eyes. They're eyes of peace. I just like look into his eyes. Mama, mama's just washing dishes. Yep. Yep. He looks fine like gold. Yep. Head like a raven. Yep. Yep. Uh, he just like a gazelle. Yep. Yep. She goes on in verse number 13, his cheeks are as As a bed of spices, as sweet flowers, his lips are like lily, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. Mom drops the dishes and says, "What? how do you know what his lips taste like? Well, this is a good time for her to go on in describing what uh, the shepherd boy is like. Verse number 14, his hands are like gold rings set with beryl. His belly is like bright ivory overlaid with sapphire. Now here it gives a description that, let me tell you, mama, his belly is like a belly that is bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. Now you say what does that mean? And I have to say I don't know. Uh, It probably means something different in the Hebrew than what it means there in the English and we'll just have to chalk it up to that. But she said that this was something pretty amazing about her shepherd boy is that his belly was overlaid like ivory with sapphires. And she goes on she begins to describe even more verse 15 his legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold let me tell you mama his legs are so strong it holds up his frame those are some strong, powerful legs mama all from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet mama he's the chiefest of five of uh, ten thousand he's the best of anybody you could pick around he's my shepherd boy and I love him so much. It says his legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, is altogether lovely. And notice probably the best description she could have gave. This is my beloved and this is my friend oh daughters of Jerusalem. Oh, how many relationships have this go wrong? Let me tell you, Hollywood has no clue what true love is like. Everything that Hollywood describes is what the Bible would call lust. It's all about feelings, but here it's saying, let me tell you, mama, he's my friend. How many ladies unfortunately have their best friend as a coworker, as a neighbor? Let me tell you a relationship that's built off of friendship is a friend one that's gonna last, not based off of one just off of feelings or emotions, but based off one of friendship. The best thing she could have said is that mama, he's my friend. And so she described her shepherd boy and she would describe to everyone that would listen, just talking about how great her shepherd boy was. And every morning she would wake up, maybe this is the day he's coming back for me. Maybe today's the day he's coming back. Every night she said, maybe it's tomorrow, but I can't wait. My shepherd boy made me a promise and he's coming back for me. And he's going to keep his word. I'm looking forward to that. So where has the shepherd boy gone? Where is he coming back for me? Notice with me in chapter um, <laughs> chapter 6 and verse 1, as time continued to go on. Whither is thy beloved gone? O thou fairest among women, and whither is thy beloved turned aside, that we may seek him that turned aside. Where is this shepherd boy at? Where is he gone? Well, the days have turned to weeks, and the weeks have turned into months, and we don't know how long it was. But... It got to the place where people began to forget about this shepherd boy. But this little Shunammite girl, this little Cinderella girl, never forgot about him. He's coming back for me. He made me a promise. He said he's coming by. And as time went on, and while the most of is forgotten about him, here's a young lady that's still looking for a day that a promise is fulfilled. So where is this shepherd boy? Well, this shepherd boy, some are perhaps in a cafe of Jerusalem. He hasn't forgotten about it. He may be among his friends. Among lunch. Where they're debating politics. And laughing. And talking about sports. And the things of the day. That the young men would talk about. Here's a young man. Who's still struck like a ton of bricks. Concerning this little Shunammite girl. And he would tell his friends about this little girl and describe her. Notice with me in the Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 8. As we see as he begins to describe what she is like. Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 8. If thou knowest not thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock. And feed thy kids beside the shepherd's Uh, tense he says let me tell you about the most beautiful young lady that I met there in Shunem let me tell you what she's like notice in verse 15 behold thou art fair my love thou art fair thou hast dove's eyes notice this phrase dove's eyes. about three or four times this is what's referred to to her, that her eyes were like dove's eyes. What are dove's eyes? Well, dove was always a symbol of peace. Let me tell you, when I look on her eyes, she had eyes of peace. You know, there's something that's gone wrong in our country today that so many young ladies, you could look in their eyes and you could see there's trouble. There's issues. There are things going on. But very rarely can you look in someone's eyes and say those are eyes of peace. Let me tell you that God has given us a peace that passeth all understanding. And that we can have pa- peace no matter what goes on in the world around us. And just looking at her eyes. It doesn't matter how bad the day is. It doesn't matter what's going on. He can go home and he can look at those eyes. And say those are eyes of peace. Those are eyes of peace. She has dove's eyes. All oh, to look into those eyes and know that there's a peace that's settled within him. Notice in chapter 4 as he describes her some more. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou has doves' eyes within thy locks. Once again, he's describing more about her eyes. But notice this: within thy locks, thy hair is like the flock of goats, and they that appear in Mount Gilead. Let me tell you about this little Cinderella girl that I have waiting for me. Oh, she's so pretty. Her hair it sits gracefully. She has beautiful hair. Verse number three, thy lips are like the thread of scarlet, and thy speech is comely. Notice this, he says, as attractive as she is, the words that come out of her mouth are just as attractive. Oh, there's something about having someone who knows how to speak well and saying right things. There is no place for a young lady to use foul and debased language. Let me tell you, there's no use for a man to speak foul and debased language. But how unattractive it is for a lady to swear and to curse and to use foul things. That he says, let me tell you, her speech is as beautiful as she is. Notice as it describes some more. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet. Thy speech is comely. Thy temples are like a piece of pomegranate within thy locks. Notice in verse number four. Thy neck is like the tower of David, builded it for an armory, whereof hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Let me tell you about her. This is a description speaking about how she carries herself. She carries herself with such dignity. She walks around and there's something to it. You know, you could tell a lot about how people look when they carry themselves around, whether it's posture and how they care for themselves. Let me tell you, the way she carries herself, she carries herself with dignity. There's dignity with her as she goes around. Let me tell you about my little shepherd girl. Notice as it describes some more about her. uh, Notice with me in chapter 7 and verse 1. How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughters! The joints of thy thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of a cunning workman. Notice in verse 2. Thy navel is like a round goblet, for want not liquor. Now once again, we'll probably have to chisel this up to uh, probably mean something different in the Greek than what it means in uh in the English there. Uh, What does it mean that deals their navels like a round goblet that wanted not liquor? Well, I don't know, and it probably doesn't. Probably was something better. But let me tell you guys that if you go home and you figure that you want to make something up to your wife and try to describe to her something from the Song of Solomon, uh, verse number two is probably not going to get it to be able to go home and say, "Honey, thy navel is like a round goblet." It's probably not. But if that part of the verse doesn't get you in trouble, the rest of Verse number two, definitely will. Thy navel is like a round goblet which wanteth not liquor. Thy belly is like a heap of wheat set about the lilies. Now again, that's probably not going to get the job done. Well, maybe now that I think about it, probably chapter seven is written after they've been married for a while. Who knows? But notice as it goes on, (laughs) verse number three. Verse number four, thy neck is like the tower of ivory. Thine eyes is like the fish pools of Heshbon. Now, here's what you have when you don't have a guy with a Hollywood script. When you're telling him that you go ahead and come up with something on your own, and I want you to say something nice to me, and you don't give him a Hollywood script. This is what it turns out to be. Honey, I look at your eyes, and they remind me of the fish bowls of Heshbon. When I look at you, I remind me of going fishing. Probably not a good thing when you're thinking about it. But he's like, yeah, it reminds me of going out and going fishing. Oh, the fish thing. Uh, That's what happens when you don't give him a Hollywood script. He's thinking about hunting and fishing all the time. That's what ends up coming up when he's trying to be romantic. It just doesn't work out just as well. Notice as it continues to go on. In chapter 4 and verse 9, we see something else as he describes this little Shudamite girl. Chapter 4 and verse 9 thou has ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou has ravished my heart with one of thine eyes with a chain of thy neck. Notice what really captured him. He captured his heart by her eyes. Her eyes. You know, the world tells the women today that in order to get the man that you want, you have to lie to him. You have to feed his ego. You have to say all kinds of untruths. But let me tell you, the right type of girl will attract the right type of guy. And the right type of guy will attract the right type of girl. That if they're both looking towards the Lord, God could bring them to pass and bring them together. That you don't have to lie and fight and to flatter in order to get the guy that you want. That you could trust it. the right type of girl will attract the right type of man. So we have the Shudamite girl who's dreaming about her shepherd boy. That he made a promise. He's coming back for me. And every morning she would wake up and say maybe this is the day. And every day she would lay down and say maybe tomorrow's the day. But he made me a promise. He said he's going to prepare a place. And one day he's coming back for me. And the shepherd boy has not forgotten about the young lady. He keeps thinking about her and telling his friends about her. But as time went by, everyone seemed to forget about that little shepherd boy, except for that little shepherd girl, the Shudamite girl. And so sitting by the household, the poor little village of Shudam, here's a young lady deeply in love with a shepherd boy. And a shepherd boy that she's searching for and waiting for, and holding the question of the Song of Solomon, where is he gone? Where is he at? And when does the shepherd boy come back for you? There's a young man that's going to prepare a place. A young man that's left with a promise that one of these days I'm coming again. And when I come back, it's going to be our wedding day. But when does the shepherd boy come back? And when does he come back for this <coughs> Cinderella girl? Well, one day there's big news in the village of Shunam. One day it is the biggest news. It wasn't the type of news that you'd hear every day. Someone going to the town square say, What's going on? What's all the excitement? What, you haven't heard? No, I haven't. Tell me, you haven't heard? King Solomon is coming by. Why would King Solomon come to this little backwater town? Why would King Solomon come back to this place? Mayor, do you know? And the mayor says, I don't know, but... He says, in his mind, maybe he's coming back to make me part of his cabinet. Maybe he's coming to give me a ward. Maybe he's coming to see me. But they don't know and they just prepare. They just know the King Solomon is coming to visit. Well, everyone in the town got excited. Everyone's preparing to go. But there was one girl who wasn't impressed. And that was a little Shunammite girl. Mama would come by and say, King Solomon's coming today. Come on. I want you to get dressed and get ready. We're going to go see the king. And the little shepherd girl said, listen here, Mama. I'm not waiting for a king. I'm waiting for a shepherd. He promised me he's coming back. You could go and see your king. You go see your king. I'm not looking for a king. I'm waiting for the shepherd boy. Notice with me in Song of Solomon chapter 3. Song of Solomon chapter 3 and verse number 11. Go forth, ye daughters, O ye daughters of Zion! Behold King Solomon with crown, wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals, in the day of the gladness of his heart." He says, I'm not waiting for king. I'm waiting for my shepherd. So you go see your king. I'm not going. I'm waiting for my little shepherd boy. And mama just shrugged her shoulders and said, All right, that's how you want to be. And so she leaves the little shepherd girl, Shudamite girl, all by herself. And everyone else in town starts to prepare because King Solomon, the king of kings, is coming to that area. You could see the crowd all dressed. You could see kids sitting upon their dad's shoulders. Everyone trying to crane and look, is Solomon coming? Is Solomon coming? And soon enough, you could start to see a pillar of smoke in the distance as Solomon and his entourage began to arrive. Notice with me, Song of Solomon chapter 3 and notice with me in verse 6. Song of Solomon chapter 3 and verse 6. Who is that that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? perfumed with myrrh and frankincense and all the powders of the merchant. The wind must have been blowing towards the little village because as they watched the pillar of smoke as King Solomon and his entourage began to come, they begin to hear, smell the perfumes and the fragrances that were coming from the entourage as they were coming to this small little backwater village of the village of Shunem. Notice as it goes on <coughs> in the Song of Solomon, notice with me starting at verse chapter 3 and verse 7. Behold his bed, which is Solomon's. Threescore valiant men are about it, of the valiant of Israel. They all hold swords, being experts in war. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of the fear of the night. So King Solomon's chariot begins to arrive, and what a chariot it is. And beside him are 60 soldiers, an honor guard, all equipped and armed, marching, all marching and stepped. And what an impressive sight it would be for this little backwater village of Shudom to be able to see King Solomon come and to smell the fragrances, to see them all start to arrive, and so many of them that the smoke was arriving on the dirt roads as they approached the village of Shudom. And as they arrived, the soldiers marching in step, all looking presentable, an honor guard, a very impressive sight. And soon King Solomon's carriage arrives inside of the village of Shunem. Notice in verse 9, King Solomon made himself a chariot of wood of Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, and the bottom thereof of gold, and the covering of purple, and the midst of it being paved with love for the daughters of Jerusalem. So King Solomon finally arrives, and the curtains are drawn, and the herald comes out and begins to announce, King Solomon has arrived in the village of Shudom, and great tidings it is this day. And he begins to say, King Solomon has come. You could see the mayor already getting his accepted speech, reaching for it in his coat and ready to go. But the king was not here to see the mayor. The king wasn't there to see any of the dignitaries. In fact, the one person that the king was here to see was the one person that wasn't there. The herald would announce that the king was here to see this little Shunammite girl. The whole crowd looks at mama and mama looks around and says, I will go get her right now and she goes in and slams the door open and says honey you need to get dressed king Uh, and uh, the girl says listen I don't want to go over it again I am not waiting for a king I am waiting for my shepherd boy but you don't understand the king is asking for you mom I've already told you that I'm not the king why does he want to see me I don't know, but you need to hurry up. And she puts her in a Sunday best and says, Let's go, and brings that little Shunamite girl, and she comes and she bows down before the carriage as the crowd opened up and parted for her. And now as she's bowing down respectfully, waiting for the king to arrive, the king opens up the curtain. You could see the people craning their neck just to get a look, and the king steps out and he gives a voice and he speaks. People have heard the voice of the king. But the little Shunammite girl doesn't hear the voice of the king. She hears the voice of her little shepherd boy who made a promise that he was coming back. And she looks up and sure enough, her shepherd boy is King Solomon. And King Solomon said, I made you a promise that I was coming back for you. I went to go to prepare a place for you. And now that I've come back, let me tell you this. Today's our wedding day. And so the little shepherd girl gets in, climbs into the carriage, and they ride to Jerusalem. They arrive at Jerusalem and they have the wedding day that he promised. Notice with me in chapter 2 and verse 4, as they're riding back to Jerusalem and they're going to the banquet place where their wedding is going to be held, the Song of Solomon chapter 2. And notice with me in verse number 4, he brought me to the banquet house and his banner over me is love. Solomon's love for this little girl, he had a banner flying overhead that today is the wedding day. Today is the day that I'm going to get married. And he had it all prepared for this Shudamite girl. And when she arrived in Jerusalem, they had everything prepared. And his love was bannered all over the place that he had a love for this little girl. And so here's a story of a young little girl who fell in love with a shepherd boy. And the shepherd boy went away and made a promise that he was coming back for her. He had to go do a work and he had to prepare a place, but he was coming back for her. And the day that he came back, there was going to be a wedding. And sure enough, the king came back, not as the shepherd, but as the king, and took the little girl and took her back. And it was her wedding day. Well, the same thing has happened as the God of glory robed himself in flesh, and he walked upon this earth as the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived the same life that you and I lived. and. He went through the same temptations and the same troubles. The Bible describes this man, Jesus, as our shepherd. And Psalm 23 and verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. It goes on and describes him as the chief shepherd. In the book of 2 Peter, at the book of John chapter 10, it says he is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The Bible says over and over throughout the word of God. It says that Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Well, they took that great shepherd and they nailed him on a wooden cross. And there he died for your sins and mine. And he rose the third day. And right before he ascended, he gathered up all of his disciples. And he gave them this message. Look at this message in John chapter 14. The gospel record of John chapter 14. We could see the message of this shepherd talking to the bride, the church. And giving them this promise. Notice what the promise says in John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Christ left this world and he gave a promise to his disciples that I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I am coming again. And we know that Jesus Christ did make that promise that he was going to come again. And sure enough the disciples they watched as Jesus Christ ascended up to heaven and the Book of Acts chapter number 1, we could see this historical event as Jesus Christ, after he died and was risen the third day, he saw his disciples and he ascended up to heaven. We could see it recorded for us in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, or verse number 10. Uh, Verse number 9, And when he had spoken these things, and while they behead, behold, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall... shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go to heaven and so the disciples they watched Jesus ascend up to the heavens of the cloud and they stayed up and they were looking for him wondering if he was coming back and an angel had to come by and say boys what are you looking at this same Jesus he's coming back as he promised Jesus Christ is coming back and so the disciples went forward and they did the work that was planned to them but every day they would wake up and say maybe this is the day he's coming back for me maybe this is the day that our Shepherd is coming back. Our good shepherd made a promise and he said he's coming back. And every night they would lay down and say, Maybe it's tomorrow. And they went with this great hope in their mind because they fell in love with the shepherd. They loved the shepherd. They wanted the shepherd to come back. And they looked forward to it. And it was so real to him that he could come back at any time. They looked forward to it. And as time went on, death took them one by one. And yet they all died with that promise that Jesus Christ is coming back. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says that the dead in Christ shall arise first. Then us that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air. This is the great hope that we have. That our shepherd is coming back for us. And they had such a love for the shepherd. And let me tell you that's what it was. It was a love for the shepherd. They wanted to see him again. And that he promised that he was coming back. And they were looking forward to him coming back. Oh, that our great shepherd is coming back. And let me tell you, he is coming back. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Revelation. The revelation in chapter number 19. We could see the events of Jesus Christ. When he's coming back as he promised he would. Let me tell you the great shepherd came and he cared for his sheep. He died on the cross. He was buried on a borrowed tomb. He rose again the third day. He ascended up to the clouds with a promise. That I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come back it is your wedding day. I am coming back for you. And for thousands of years people because they love the shepherd. They look forward to the shepherd's return. But notice if you don't mind in the book of Revelation chapter number 19. The book of Revelation chapter 19 and notice with me in verse number 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fire linen white and clean and out of his mouth goeth forth a sharp sword and with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the white press of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords Let me tell you, we were looking for a shepherd, but what comes back is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And let me tell you, what is the idea that we're relaying here? Let me tell you that in order to prepare for the king's return, you first have to love the shepherd. In order for you to be ready, not everyone's ready for the king's return. Not everyone's ready for the king to come back. In order for you to be ready for the king to come, you first must be in love with a shepherd. So let me bring you this question, dear friend. First of all, are you 100% sure that if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that your sins are forgiven of you? Let me tell you, our great shepherd died on the cross because he loved you to give you eternal life, full, free, and forever. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven God gave you a promise that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But for those of you who are believers, are you ready for Jesus Christ's coming? Are you looking forward to his coming? Are you anticipating that Jesus Christ is coming back? What makes the difference? Why do people look forward to Jesus Christ's coming? Because they're in love with the shepherd. They're in love with the shepherd. In order for you to be ready for the king's return... You have to fall in love with the shepherd. So let me ask you this. Are you in love with the shepherd? Like this little Shunammite girl. Is Jesus what you like to talk about? Sure you got work to be done. And things need to be done. But do you anticipate the shepherd coming back? Are you looking forward to his return? Do you long to be with him? Are you in love with the shepherd? Let me tell you. You can be. He loves you so much that he died for you. Do you love him back? Do you look forward? Do you meditate on the shepherd? Is it what you look forward to? Is it what you anticipate? In order for you to be prepared for the king, you first must be in love with a shepherd.